Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Good morning. Good morning. I, was, I just got, gave a fist bump to the Geens. It's good to see you both. Good to see you. Good to see all of you. I... I have been worshiping with you uh, online for a lot of this time. One, uh, uh, to make sure that our family is safe. My kids can't be vaccinated, so uh, they need to be safe. But also, I've been preaching other places, and we've been hosting a church at Restore Hope. And so I have to open the doors and make sure that the lights are on and all of those sorts of things. And so I miss seeing all of you. So it's good to see you. Um, And those of you who are online, I miss communicating with you online. I usually get to to talk to everybody online. And so um, I'm thankful that Erica is doing that today. And uh, for everybody in the room and for those online, I have a question before we get started. Because the scripture passage that I want to talk about today, at least one of them, is I think made for a movie. And so what I want to know is what scripture passage, what Bible story do you think would be a great movie? And uh, online, if you comment online, Erica is going to tell me what, what you said. So uh, let me know. Any, any Bible stories that you think should be a movie? The missions of Paul. The missions of Paul. Yeah, I mean, we hear about him getting shipwrecked and all of the things that happened to him in that time. Those would be great movies. Any of those would be great movies. Anybody else? The loaves and the fishes. I actually preached about that a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Jesus takes a lunch, five loaves and two fish, and turns it into food for at least 5,000 people. That's a pretty, pretty great one. Anybody else? The life of David. The life of David? Yeah, what a mess that was. Good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. The creation story. The creation story. Yeah, if we could figure out how to, how to cinematically film the creation of the universe, it would have to be cinematic, right? You'd have to see that in IMAX. Like 3D. Yeah. Jesus had the little boy and then Yeah, Jesus getting left at the temple as a little boy. I just want to see the moment that Mary realizes. Is it Jesus? Like, sorry for all of those yelling <laughs> online. Everybody, I just broke speakers all over the world. But yeah, like, yeah, Kevin from Home Alone. Uh, 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 Jesus left at the temple. Jonah, yeah, that would be, that's a movie right there. And then uh, Ricky says, the woman at the well would be a perfect movie. Oh, yeah, the woman at the well. I mean, can you, I just want to see the disciples' face when Jesus walks up to that woman. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the face. I want, uh, Mary's face when she realizes she left Jesus back at, at, in, in the temple. But then uh, the disciples' face when he walks up to, to the woman. That would be a good one. Well, today, I hope that today's story lives up to all of those stories. Those are really good stories. And so if you're online, you could keep putting those online. I'll look for those later. Um, But I want to talk about Elijah today. And there are a couple of passages in the middle of 1 Kings uh, that are some of my favorites. Actually, I'm not going to talk about the one that is truly my favorite, which is 1 Kings 17. Uh, So you'll have to go read that one for yourself. And you should read while you're at it. Read 1 Kings 18, because I'm going to tell this story Um, But you really got to read it for yourself. And honestly, you can read it in any version. Um, This week when I was preparing for the sermon, I read it in part of it in the King James Version. And it's just as hilarious in the King James Version as it is in the message, which we'll have today. Um, But 1 Kings 18 and 19 is what we're going to talk about today. uh, The story of Elijah. Now, I want to kind of set the stage for Elijah for you for just a second. So 1 Kings 18, we find out that the, the Israel has been in a famine for three years. Now, 
We've had some long times without rain in, in Tulsa, even lately, right? And when the rain comes, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Um, three years without rain. And tensions were starting to get really high. Ahab was the king of Israel, and he was a bad dude. Um, he, he wasn't a very good worshiper of God. Uh, he was married to Jezebel. Uh, you've probably heard that name before. Um, it's become kind of like a, a, a bad word for a, a bad woman. Well, she was a, a really bad woman, um, and she, mostly because, according to Scripture, she worshipped Asherah, um, this other god. So there were other like gods that were worshipped at that time. Baal and Asherah uh, were among those, and Jezebel was kind of famous or infamous, notorious in Scripture for being a worshiper of Asherah. And both of them, Ahab and, and Jezebel, blamed the, the famine on Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God. Now, that doesn't mean that Elijah could see the future. That's not what prophet means. Prophet means someone who speaks for God. The Hebrew word actually is navi, which is like mouthpiece. Um, so, so Elijah was a prophet of God. He was speaking for God, and he was calling out Ahab and Jezebel and all of that crew for not worshiping God. And so they were all blaming each other for the lack of rain. So we, at the beginning of 1 Kings 18, God tells Elijah, I'm going to make it rain. And you've got to go tell Ahab that I'm going to make it rain. So Ahab and, and Elijah, not the best of friends, they finally come together. And the way that I see it in the movie is like that, that pre-fight weigh-in for boxers or ultimate fighters, right? Like they come together and there's always like, it may be made up tension, but there's that tension in the moment, right? One side is saying this. So Ahab saying, Elijah, or, Elijah you're a mess. You didn't, you've, you've kept it from rain, all this stuff. What, what are you doing? And Elijah's like, dude, you're worshiping the wrong God. You're the problem here. And they're just going back and forth. And Elijah says, okay, I got it. We're gonna have a prophet battle. Now, in this, I'm kind of imagining the scene from Eight Mile uh, where Eminem has a, prophet, or a, 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 a MC battle. Um, but uh, Elijah says, okay, get 450 prophets of Baal, get 400 prophets of Asherah, and I'll represent the God of Israel. And we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. I've had the opportunity to be in Mount Carmel about 10 years ago. And it is this great high place over the plains of Jezreel. It's this beautiful valley. It's a high place. And so they go up there and they have this battle. And they're trying to figure out, and now this part I think about West Side Story. They're trying to figure out what weapons they're going to use for this prophet battle. And Elijah starts taunting them from the jump. He says, what, are you just going to sit on the fence? Can't you come up with an idea? And they have nothing. The other prophets have no ideas. And so Elijah says, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar, and we're going to put an oxen on it. But don't light the fire. We're going to let whoever's God is the real God, that God's going to bring the fire. So the prophets of Baal and Asherah get together, and they put a whole bunch of wood out. They get an oxen out there, and they, they start trying to call down fire. And there's nothing. And that's where our text picks up. And I'm going to go from uh, the message translation here. So let's go ahead and go to 1 Kings 18, 27. By noon, Elijah had started making fun of them, taunting, call a little louder. He's God after all. You can almost hear the right in there. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere. Or maybe he's gotten involved in a project, like a woodworking project maybe. 
Maybe he's on vacation. You don't suppose he's overslept, do you? Maybe you need to wake him up. The King James Version says, like, maybe you should wake him up. <laughs> the message takes some, some liberties sometimes. It's not taking liberties this time. Like, that's the, the translation in every translation. Maybe he needs to be waked up. So they prayed louder and louder. And then they start, like, cutting themselves to show their devotion. It was a ritual common to them, says the translation. They were covered with blood. Nothing. Nothing. The next verse says, they used every religious trick and strategy they knew to make something happen on the altar. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, sorry. Next one. There it is. To make something happen on the altar. But nothing happened. Not so much as a whisper. Not a flicker of response. No spark. So Elijah's like, ha, you had your chance. I got this. And he starts digging. He starts digging a trench around the altar that, that, that was built, around the oxen. He starts digging a trench. And then he says, go get some water. Now, a couple things we know about water in that moment, right? One, it hadn't rained in three years. Water was kind of a precious commodity. And Elijah calls for water four times. Lots and lots of water four times. The other thing we know about water, just scientifically, not great for fire. <laughs> right? So they're trying to bring fire, and Elijah's asking for water. He pours tons and tons of water four different times. And then he prays. The next, the next passage, the next slide, I think, is the prayer. Here we go. Oh God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I'm doing what I am doing under your orders. Answer me, God. Oh, answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, and you are giving this people another chance at repentance. Guess what happened? Next verse, verse 38. Immediately, the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. Drop the mic, right? So, of course, the people who are there recognize that, that Elijah's God, the God of Israel, is the real God. They bow down and worship. And at that point, the prophets of Baal get a little worried. They run. Now, this part I need to ask God about, but um, Elijah rounds them up and kills them all. All the prophets are gone. So I need to ask God, like, okay, why? Like, why, why did we do that? But um, he wipes out all of the, all the prophets of Baal. And Ahab at this moment, like, he just got shown up. 450, 850 really altogether prophets could do nothing, not a whisper, not a spark. And Elijah showed up. So Ahab's embarrassed. He's probably a lot a bit angry. Not a little bit, a lot a bit angry. And guess what happens right after? It starts to rain. <laughs> like this little storm off, this little, like it says like it would fit like in the size of your hand, like off on the distance, becomes this giant rain. So Ahab goes home in the rain and he tells Jezebel what had happened. And she was mad. Her prophets had been killed. 
She had, her husband had been shown up by this guy that she didn't like, and so she's out for blood. And so where 1 Kings 19 picks up, Ahab and Jezebel send their troops after Elijah, and he is literally running for his life. Runs out of, out from, away from Mount Carmel, away from Jezreel, away from that beautiful valley, lots of rich food and everything else, and goes out into the wilderness, into the desert. And he's gone out as far as he can go, and he's dead tired. He's worried for his life, either from being killed by Ahab and Jezebel or from hunger. He's hungry, right? He goes into the same wilderness that Jesus would go into later, and and he was hungry. Goes into that same wilderness. He's hungry. He's thirsty. So he finds a broom tree, which is just like a shrub. And he lays down. And that's where 1 Kings 19.4 picks up. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree, and he fell asleep. He thinks he's done, right? But God's not done with him yet. Verse 5 picks up. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake. Now, other translations say bread, like a loaf of bread. Don't imagine a birthday cake. Um, There at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he laid down again. He's, He's thinking he's got enough for more death. (laughs) The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. Otherwise the journey will be too much for you. The the journey will be, hasn't it already been too much? Right? He was already at his wits end. He already thought he had had a a journey. And then the angel's like, the journey ahead, it, it might be too much for you. But he got up He ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Elijah was at the end of his rope. He thought he was done for from Ahab or from being out in the desert from the wilderness. Can you imagine how Elijah must have felt in that moment? He had literally just been on the mountaintop calling down the fire of God He was at the top of his game. And in the next moment, he's falling asleep under a big shrub in the desert, not sure if he's ever going to wake up again. I don't know if you've been there. That's not a fun place to be. I'm a long way from Elijah. There's no Mount Carmel prophet battles in my history. And I don't know that I have been down as far down deep as he was. But I know a little bit of the feeling that Elijah must have had. For those of you who don't know, uh, I get to be the executive director of Restore Hope Ministries, which is a a United Methodist agency in Tulsa um, that has been helping people for a long time. We've had a rent assistance program for a long time. But During COVID, uh, starting last May 1st, we had to ramp up our rent assistance program 
in a really significant way. Since May 1st of last year, we have distributed $13 million in rent and utility assistance. And that work has really led to some amazing mountaintop experiences for me in the past year. Um, last fall, uh, the Tulsa World amazingly named me one of the Tulsans of the Year, which was incredible, an incredible honor. No, I'm not asking for applause. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I promise I'm not fishing for compliments. Uh, I got to throw out the first pitch of the driller season, one of the first pitches of the season for the Tulsa drillers this year. But I'll tell you, even as actually as I was throwing out that pitch, which I didn't throw a good, shot, a good pitch, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> as a baseball coach, I was embarrassed. But even in that moment, I was already feeling alone. And I was at my wit's end. Because you see, our, all of those things, in the midst of all of those things, our program wasn't working well. There were some problems with the system, and professionally, it was the hardest time in my entire life. Because of, I knew that a ton of people were needing our help, that they were relying on it, landlords and tenants both, relying on our help, and it wasn't working. And so I remember, in fact, I went back in my phone and I looked um, at this. I, I remember praying, and I said, God, I... I have nothing else. I'm out of ideas. And I started texting family and friends asking for prayer. Matt was one of those who I asked for prayer. I had nowhere else to turn. Elijah had just fallen asleep under the shrub when the angel woke him up. The last thing he must have been expecting was a loaf of bread out in the middle of the desert. But there it was. It wasn't a feast. It wasn't even a bad hotel continental breakfast. It was a loaf of bread and a jar of water. But it was what he needed when he needed it the most. I'll tell you, Gage doesn't know this, and I didn't realize it until this morning. Even when I was writing the sermon, I didn't realize the exact moment when God gave me my loaf of bread and a jar of water, but it was here, sitting in that seat that I was sitting in this morning, singing the song that we sang this morning. And I had the assurance of God that God was with me. It wasn't like fire from heaven. It wasn't a giant show of a display. Others of you were in the room, would have never, my family standing next to me would have never known but I was nearly brought to tears with the reality that God was with me and that everything was gonna be okay. In that moment, we had not yet distributed a million dollars in this year's program. Um, and, and it was, everything was going not great. Since that moment, we've distributed another $8 million in assistance. And it's not like all of a sudden, like, again, it wasn't this fire from heaven, but it was this idea that God was with us and that we could continue. And it's not to say that there haven't been hard moments since. For Elijah, it, the food was enough for 40 days. It says that the enough, it was enough for 40 days, to, which is a time of preparation, right? He was getting prepared for Mount Horeb. 
Now, Elijah might have wanted an army of angels to come down and smite Ahab, right? To take away the fear, but that's not what he got. That's not the way this works. Abundance is not having a lot of stuff. Abundance is not a smorgasbord. It's not a Mercedes Benz. Abundance is God's way of making sure that we know that there is enough to, do, to keep doing the work that God has for us. In John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, it doesn't say, I am the steak dinner of life. Or for vegetarians, whatever you can imagine that amazing thing is. I, it says, I'm the bread of life. Basic sustenance. Jesus is not saying things won't be hard. Trust me, it can be hard. And, and, and Matt has told us that for the last month in sermon series, right? That following Jesus is hard. But when we follow God and when we do what God calls us to do, there is enough. Not just for a day, not just for a season, but following God, there is enough for us to continue to do what God has for us. In that same passage, Jesus um, compares himself to the, the manna in the wilderness. Another time, God fed God's people in the middle of the desert with bread, right? And that manna was enough for a day. If you go back and look at that story from Exodus, that's another good movie. If you go back and look at that story, it was, it was not too much, right? They couldn't take too much because otherwise it would spoil. It was not too little. They had exactly what they needed. It was enough for the day. And Jesus says he is the bread that came down from heaven, that with him, the bread will never run out, that there's enough, not just for a day or a season, but for eternity. Out in the wilderness, Elijah thought his mountaintop time was done, that God had more in mind. That 40 days of preparation between Mount Carmel and Mount Horeb on Mount Carmel, he saw the fire come down from God. At Mount Horeb, we learn that he didn't see God in the fire. It wasn't in the earthquake, but it was in the stillness and the silence. And even that mountain wasn't Elijah's last mountaintop experience. He would be later transformed and transfigured by the bread of life. So where are you today? Are you up on the mountaintop calling down the fire of God? If so, celebrate that moment. Give thanks for that moment because it's awesome. Maybe you're under a broom tree in the desert. At your wit's end, the end of your rope. The best news for me for all of this is that God was with Elijah on the mountain, on Mount Carmel, and God was with Elijah in the middle of the wilderness when he had nothing but a broom tree, a cake, and water. And he was there everywhere in between. I wonder if Elijah knew that God was with him in the desert. I wonder if he felt abandoned. God was with him. God woke him up. He said, here is enough. Take and eat. Wherever you are today, I pray that you know that God is with you too to give you enough 
for your journey and for the way ahead. Because God was there for Elijah. God was there for me. God is there for you too. God loathes you when you need it the most. Let us pray. God, thank you for your bread in the wilderness. Not because it's a feast, but because it's a sign that you are with us. The assurance that you have given us enough for the work ahead. God, I pray for the work that you have called this community to do. That you would give us enough. That you would show us that bread and that jar of water. And that you would prepare us for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.